Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we will read chapters 39 and 40. Now in the last episode, we read chapters 37 and 38 and it was a very fascinating episode, I must say. The trio finally are able to meet Aeolus, who is a weather newsman. And he is known to be the one who always updates the unknown forecast that we don't usually see here in uh, on Earth. Uh, he always updates which, uh, the unexpected rain that might come on a sunny day or an unexpected hurricane coming up on the coast of a uh, certain area. So it makes uh, Aeolus a very stressed person as he has to deal with all of these updates within every single second. And we are able to see this personality uh, be seen through more and more throughout the two chapters that we read last episode. So we also get to see the trio meeting Melly, who is Aeolus's assistant and is very kind and helpful to the trio. At first, when the trio meets Aeolus, he agrees to help them on their adventure to completing their quest. But suddenly, near the end of chapter 38, Aeolus gets orders that he needs to kill them and send storm spirits after them. Luckily, uh, Melly is able to help them and get them into a safe place for them to escape a web to escape from Aeolus's palace and the storm spirits and we'll just have to read chapter 39 to see where they end up now so without further ado we're gonna read chapter 39 from piper's perspective so without further ado on with the show piper dreamed she was on the wilderness school dorm roof the desert night was cold but she brought blankets and with jason next to her she didn't need any more warmth the air smelled of sage and burning mes- um, um, mesquite. On the horizon, the spring mountains loomed like jagged black teeth, the dim glow of Las Vegas behind them. The stars were so bright, Piper had been afraid they wouldn't be able to see the meteor shower. She didn't want Jason to think she'd dragged him up here on fra- false pretenses, even though her pretenses had been totally false. But the meteors did not disappoint. One streaked across the sky almost every minute, a line of white, yellow, or blue fire. Piper was sure her Grandpa Tom would have some Cherokee myths to explain them, but at the moment, she was busy creating her own story. Jason took her hand, finally, and pointed as two meteors skipped across the atmosphere and formed a cross. Wow, he said. I can't believe Leo didn't want to see this. Actually, I didn't invite him, Piper said casually. Jason smiled. Oh, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. You ever feel like three would be a crowd? Yeah, Jason admitted. Like right now. You know how much trouble we'd get in if we got caught up uh, up here? Oh, I'd make up something, Piper said. I can be very persuasive. So, you want to dance or what? He laughed. His eyes were amazing, and his smile was even better in the starlight. With no music at night on a rooftop? Sounds dangerous. I'm a dangerous girl. Is that... I can believe. He stood and offered her his hand. They slowly danced a few steps, but it quickly turned into a kiss. Piper almost couldn't kiss him again because she was too busy smiling. Then her dream changed, or maybe she was dead in the underworld, because she found herself back in Medea's department store. Please let this be a dream, she murmured, and not my eternal punishment. No, dear, said a woman's honey-sweet voice. No punishment. Piper turned, afraid she'd see Medea, but a different woman stood next to her, browsing through the 50% off rack. 
The woman was gorgeous, shoulder-length hair, a graceful neck, perfect features, an amazing figure tucked into jeans and a snowy white top. Piper had seen her share of actresses. Most of her dad's dates were knockout beautiful. But this lady was different. She was elegant without trying, fashionable without effort, stunning without makeup. After seeing Aeolus with his silly facelifts and cosmetics, Piper thought this woman looked even more astonishing. There was nothing artificial about her. Yet as Piper watched, the woman's appearance changed. Piper couldn't decide the color of her eyes or the exact color of her hair. The woman became more and more beautiful, as if her image were aligning itself to Piper's thoughts, getting as close as possible to Piper's ideal of beauty. Aphrodite, Piper said. Mom? The goddess smiled. You're only dreaming, my sweet. If anyone wonders, I wasn't here, okay? I... Piper wanted to ask a thousand questions, but they all crowded together in her head. Aphrodite held up a turquoise dress. Piper thought it looked awesome, but the goddess made a face. This isn't my color, is it? Pity, it's cute. Medea really does have some lovely things here. This... This building exploded, Piper stammered. I, I saw it. Yes, Aphrodite agreed. I suppose that's why everything's on sale. Just a memory now, and I'm sorry to pull you out of your other dream. Much more pleasant, I know. Piper's face burned. She didn't know whether she was more angry or embarrassed, but mostly she felt hollow with disappointment. It wasn't real. It never even happened. So why do I remember it so vividly? Aphrodite smiled. Because you're my daughter, Piper. You see possibilities much more vividly than others. You see what could be. And it still might be. Don't give up. Unfortunately. The goddess gestured around the department store. You have other trials to face first. Medea will be back, along with many other memories, enemies. The doors of death have opened. What do you mean? Aphrodite winked at her. You're a smart one, Piper. You know. A cold feeling settled over her. The sleeping woman, the one Medea and Midas called their patron, she managed to open a new entrance from the underworld. She's letting the dead escape back into the world. Mm. And not just any dead, the worst, the most powerful, the ones likely to hate the gods. The monsters are coming back from Tartarus the same way, Piper guessed. That's why they don't stay disintegrated. Yes, their patron, as you can call her has a special relationship with Tartarus, the spirit of the pit. Aphrodite held up a gold sequin top. No, this will make me look ridiculous. Piper laughed uneasily. You? You can't look anything but perfect. You're sweet, Aphrodite said. But beauty is about finding the right fit, the most natural fit. To be perfect, you have to feel perfect about yourself. Avoid trying to be something you're not. For a goddess, that's especially hard. We can change so easily. My dad thought you were perfect. Piper's voice quavered. He never got over you. Aphrodite's gaze became distant. Yes, Tristan. Oh, he was amazing. So gentle and kind, funny and handsome. Yet he had so much sadness inside. Could we please not talk about him in the past tense? I'm sorry, dear. I didn't want to leave your father, of course. It's always so hard, but it was for the best. If he had realized who I actually was... Wait, he didn't know you were a goddess? Of course not. Aphrodite sounded offended. I wouldn't do that to him. 
for most mortals, that's simply too hard to accept. It can ruin their lives. Ask your friend, Jason. Lovely boy, by the way. His poor mother was destroyed when she found out she'd fallen in love with Zeus. It was, no. It was much better Tristan believed that I was a mortal woman who left him without explanation. Better a bittersweet memory than an immortal, unattainable goddess. Which brings me to an important matter. She opened her hand and showed Piper a glowing glass vial of pink liquid. This is one of Medea's kinder mixtures. It erases only recent memories. When you save your father, if you can save him, you should give him this. Piper couldn't believe what she was hearing. You want me to dope my dad? You want me him you want me to make him forget what he's been through? Aphrodite held up the vial. The liquid cast a pink glow over her face. Your father acts confident, Piper, but he walks a fine line between two worlds. He's worked his whole life to deny the old stories about gods and spirits, yet he fears those stories might be real. He fears that he shut off an important part of himself, and someday it will destroy him. Now he's been captured by a giant. He's living a nightmare. Even if he survives, he has to spend the rest of his life with those memories, knowing that gods and spirits walk the earth. It will shatter him. That's what our enemy hopes for. She will break him and thus break your spirit. Piper wanted to shout that Aphrodite was wrong. Her dad was the strongest person she knew. Piper would never take his memories the way Hera had taken Jason's. But somehow she couldn't stay angry with Aphrodite. She remembered what her dad had said months ago at the big beach at Big Sur. If I really believed in ghost country or animal spirits or Greek gods... I don't think I could sleep at night. I'd always be looking for someone to blame. Now Piper wanted someone to blame too. Who is she? Piper demanded. The one controlling the giants? Aphrodite pursed her lips. She moved to the next rack, which held battered armor and ripped togas. But Aphrodite looked through them as if they were designer outfits. You have a strong will, she mused. I'm never given much credit among the gods. My children are laughed at. They're, dismi- they're dismissed as conceited and shallow. Some of them are. Aphrodite laughed. <laughs> Granted, perhaps I'm conceited and shallow too, sometimes. A girl has to indulge. Ooh, this is nice. She picked up a burned and stained bronze breastplate and held it up for Piper to see. No? No, Piper said. Are you going to answer my question? Patience, my sweet, the goddess said. My, my point is that love is the most powerful motivator in the world. It spurs mortals to greatness. Their noblest, bravest acts are done for love. Piper pulled out her dagger and studied its reflective blade. Like Helen starting the Trojan War? Ah, Catoptris. Catoptris. Aphrodite laughed. I'm glad you found it. I get so much flack for that war, but honestly, Paris and Helen were a cute couple. And the heroes of that war are immortal now, at least in the memories of men. Love is powerful, Piper. It can bring even the gods to their knees. I told this to my son, Aeneas, when he escaped from Troy. He thought he had failed. He thought he was a loser. But But he traveled to Italy and became the forebearer of Rome. Exactly. You see, Piper, my children can be quite powerful. You can be quite powerful because my lineage is unique. I am closer to the beginning of creation than any Olympian. Piper struggled to remember about Aphrodite's birth. Didn't you rise from the sea, standing on the seashell? The goddess laughed. (laughs) 
The painter of Botticelli had quite an imagination. I never stood on a seashell, thank you very much, but yes, I rose from the sea. The first beings to rise from chaos were the earth and sky, Gaia and Uranus. When their son, the Titan Kronos, killed Uranus by chopping him to pieces with a scythe, Piper remembered. Aphrodite wrinkled her nose. Yes, the pieces of Uranus fell into the sea. His immortal essence created sea foam, and from that foam, you were born. I remember now, so you're the last child of Uranus, who is greater than the gods or the titans. So, in a strange way, I'm the eldest Olympian god. As I said, love is a powerful force, and you, my daughter, are much more than a pretty face, which is why you already know who is waking the giants, and who has the power to open doors into the deepest parts of the earth. Aphrodite waited, as if she could sense Piper slowly putting together the pieces of a puzzle, which made a dreadful picture. Gaia, Piper said. The earth itself, that's our enemy. She hoped Aphrodite would say no, but the goddess kept her eyes on the rack of tattered armor. She has slumbered for eons, but she is slowly awaking. Even asleep, she is powerful. But once she wakes, we will be doomed. You must defeat the giants before that happens and lull Gaia back into her slumber. Otherwise, the rebellion has only begun. The dead will continue to rise. Monsters will regenerate with even greater speed. The giants will lay waste to the birthplace of the gods. And if they do that, all civilization will burn. But Gaia, Mother Earth, do not underestimate her, Aphrodite warned. She is a cruel deity. She orchestrated Orano's death. She gave Kronos the sickle and urged him to kill his own father. While the Titans ruled the world... She slumbered in peace, but when the gods overthrew them, Gaia woke again in all her anger and gave birth to her new race, the giants, to destroy Olympus and once for all, and for once and for all. And it's happening again, Piper said, the rise of the giants. Aphrodite nodded. Now you know. What will you do? What will you do? Me? Piper clenched her fist. What am I supposed to do? Put on a pretty dress and sweet talk Gaia into going back to sleep? I wish that would work, Aphrodite said, but no. You will have to find your own strengths and fight for what you love, like my favorite ones, Helen and Paris, like my son, Aeneas. Helen and Paris died, Piper said, and Aeneas became a hero, the goddess countered, the first great hero of Rome. The result will depend on you, Piper, but I will tell you this. The seven greatest demigods must be gathered to defeat the giants, and that effort will not succeed without you. When the two sides meet, you will be the mediator. You will determine whether there's friendship or bloodshed. What two sides? Piper's vision began to dim. You must wake soon, my child, said the goddess. I do not always agree with Hera, but she's taken a bold risk. And I agree it must be done. Zeus has kept us two sides apart for too long. Only together will you have the power to save Olympus. Now wake. And I hope you like the clothes I picked out. What clothes? Piper demanded but the dream be it faded to black. And that's the end of chapter 39. So now we have, uh, that was, first of all, a, an incredible chapter. We finally get to see Piper getting to actually uh, talk, get, get to talk with her mother, Aphrodite, after a long time. And now we have seen that both 
Leo and Piper were able to meet their godly parents. And hopefully that's able to give them a sense of duty and helps them understand how this, what the severity is. And even, and it's even more great that Piper has now even realized who the common enemy is so that he can, so that she can actually tell the rest of the trio about this. So I think Piper gained some really crucial information during that dream with an interaction with Aphrodite. And through chapter 40, let's see how this information may be able to help them rescue Hera and possibly gather and maybe lead to the gather to the um, beginning of gathering all of the demigods to finally beat the giants. So after this break, we will read chapter 40, Piper. Uh, and we will see what the, they'll do on the rest of their adventure. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read Chapter 40, Piper. Piper woke up at a table at a sidewalk cafe. For a second, she thought she was still dreaming. It was a sunny morning. The air was brisk, but not unpleasant for sitting outside. At the other tables, a mix of bicyclists, bicyclists, business people, and college kids sat chatting and drinking coffee. She could smell eucalyptus trees. Lots of foot traffic passed in front of quaint little shops. The street was lined with bottle brush trees and blooming azaleas, as winter was a foreign concept. In other words, she was in California. Her friends sat in chairs around her, all of them with their hands calmly folded across their chests, dozing pleasantly. And they all had new clothes on. Piper looked down at her own outfit and gasped, Mother! She yelled louder than she meant. Jason flinched, bumping the table with his knee, and then all of them are awake. What? Hedge demanded. Fight who? Where? Falling! Leo grabbed the table. No, not falling. Where are we? Jason blinked, trying to get his bearings. He focused on Piper and made a little choking sound. What are you wearing? Piper probably blushed. She was wearing the turquoise dress she'd seen in her dreams with black leggings and black leather boots. She had on her favorite silver charm bracelet, even though she'd left that back home in LA, and her old snowboarding jacket from her dad, which amazingly went with the outfit pretty well. She pulled out Catoptris, and judging from the reflection in the blade, she'd gotten her hair done too. It's nothing, she said. It's my... She remembered Aphrodite's warning not to mention that they'd talked. It's nothing. Leo grinned. Aphrodite strikes again, huh? You're gonna be the best dressed warrior in town, beauty queen. Hey, Leo. Jason nudged his arm. You look at yourself recently? What? Oh. All of them had been given a makeover. Leo was wearing pinstriped pants, black leather shoes, a white collarless shirt with suspenders, and his tool belt, Ray-Ban sunglasses, and a pork pie hat. God, Leo... Piper tried not to laugh. I think my dad wore that to his last premiere. Minus the tool belt. Hey, shut up! I think you I think you looks good, said Coach Hedge. Of course I look better. The satyr was a pastel nightmare. Aphrodite had given him a baggy canary yellow zoot suit with two-toned shoes that fit over his hooves. He had a matching yellow broad-brimmed hat, a rose-colored shirt, a baby blue tie, and a blue carnation in his lapel, which Hedge sniffed and then ate. Well, Jason said, at least your mom overlooked me. Piper knew that wasn't exactly true. Looking at him, her heart did a little tap dance. 
Jason was dressed simply in jeans and a clean purple t-shirt. Like he won at the Grand Canyon. He had new track shoes on and his hair was newly trimmed. His eyes were the same color as the sky. Aphrodite's message was clear. This one needs no improvement. And Piper agreed. Anyway, she said uncomfortably, how did we get here? Oh, that would be Melly, Hedge said, chewing happily on his carnation. Those winds shot us halfway across the country, I guess. We would have been smashed flat on impact, but Melly's last gift, a nice soft breeze, cushioned our fall. And she got fired for us, Leo said. Man, we suck. Ah, she'll be fine, Hedge said. Besides, she couldn't help herself. I've got the effect on nymphs. I'll send her a message when we're through with this quest and help her figure something out. That is one aura I could settle down with and raise a herd of baby goats. I'm gonna be sick, Piper said. Anyone else want coffee? Coffee! Hedge's grins was stained blue from the flower. I love coffee. Um, Jason said, but money? Our packs? Piper looked down. Their packs were at their feet and everything still seemed, seemed to be, still be there. She reached into her coat pocket and felt two things she hadn't expected. One was a wad of cash, the other was a glass vial. The amnesia potion. <clears throat> she left the vial in her pocket and brought out the money. Leo whistled. Allowance? Piper, your mom rocks! Waitress, Hedge called. Six double espressos and whatever these guys want. Put it on the girls' tab. It didn't take them long to figure out where they were. The menu said Cafe Verve. Walnut Creek CA, and according to the waitress, it was 9 a.m. on December 21st, the winter solstice, which gave them three hours until Enceladus's deadline. They didn't have to wonder where Mount Diablo was either. They could see on the horizon right at the end of the street. After the Rockies, Mount Diablo didn't look very large, nor was it covered in snow. It seemed downright peaceful, its golden creases marbled with gray-green trees, but size was deceptive with mountains, Piper knew. It was probably much bigger up close, and appearances were deceptive too. Here, they were back in California, supposedly her home, with sunny skies, mild weather, laid-back people, and a plate of chocolate chip scones with coffee. And only a few miles away, somewhere on that peaceful mountain, a super-powerful, super-evil giant was about to have her father for lunch. Leo pulled something out of his pocket, the old crayon drawing Aeolus had given him. Aphrodite must have thought it was important if she'd magically transferred it to his new outfit. What is that? Piper asked. Leo folded up gingerly again and put it away. Nothing. You don't want to see my kindergarten artwork. It's more than that, Jason guessed. Aeolus said it was the key to our success. Leo shook his head. Not today. He was talking about later. How can you be so sure? Piper asked. Trust me, Leo said. Now, what's our game plan? Coach Hedge belched. He already had three espressos and a plate of donuts, along with two napkins and another flower from the vase on the table. He would have eaten the silverware, except Piper had slapped his hand. Climb the mountain, Hedge said. Kill everything except Piper's dad. Leave. Thank you, General Eisenhower, Jason grumbled. Hey, I'm just saying... Guys, Piper said, there's more you need to know. It was tricky, but she couldn't mention her mom. But she told him she'd figure out some things out in her dreams. She told him about their real enemy, Gaia. Gaia? Leo shook his head. 
Isn't that mother nature? She's supposed to have like flowers in her hair and birds singing around her and deer and rabbits doing her laundry. Leo, that's Snow White, Piper said. Okay, but listen, Cupcake. Coach Hedge dabbed the espresso out of his goatee. Piper's telling us some serious stuff here. Gaia's no softy. I'm not even sure I could take her. Leo whistled. Really? Hedge nodded. This earth lady, she and her old man, the sky were nasty customers. Oranos, Piper said. She couldn't help looking up at the blue sky, wondering if it had eyes. Right, Hedge said. So Oranos, he's not the best dad. He throws their first kids, the Cyclops, into Tartarus. That makes, that makes Gaia mad. But she bides her time. Then they have another set of kids, the Twelve Titans. And Gaia is afraid they'll get thrown into prison too. So she goes up to her son Kronos, the big bad dude, Leo said, the one they defeated last summer. Right. And Gaia's the one who gives him the scythe and tells him, Hey, why don't I call your dad down here? And while he's talking to me distracted, you can cut him into pieces. Then you can take over the world. Wouldn't that be great? Nobody said anything. Piper's chocolate, uh, chocolate chip scone didn't look so appetizing anymore. Even though she'd heard the story before, she still couldn't get her mind around it. She tried to imagine a kid so messed up, he would kill his own dad just for power. Then she imagined a mom so messed up, she would convince her son to do it. Definitely not Snow White, she decided. Nah, Kronos was a bad guy, Hedge said. But Gaia is literally the mother of all bad guys. She's so old and powerful, so huge, that it's hard for her to be fully conscious. Most of the time she sleeps, and that's the way we like her, snoring. But she talked to me, Leo said. How can she be asleep? Gleason brushed crumbs off his canary yellow label. He was on his sixth espresso now, and his pupils were as big as quarters. Even in her sleep, part of her consciousness is active. Dreaming, keeping watch, doing little things like causing volcanoes to explode and monsters to rise. Even now, she's not fully awake. Believe me, you don't want to see her fully awake. But she's getting more powerful, Piper said. She's causing the giants to rise. And if their king comes back, this guy, Porphyrian, he'll raise an army to destroy the gods, Jason put in. Starting with Hera, it'll be another war and Gaia will wake up fully. Gleason nodded, which is why it's a good idea for us to stay off the ground as much as possible. Leo looked warily at Mount Diablo. So, climbing a mountain, that would be bad. Piper's heart sank. First, she'd been asked to betray her friends. Now, they were trying to help her rescue her dad, even though they knew they were walking into a trap. The idea of fighting a giant had been scary enough, but the idea that Gaia was behind it? A force more powerful than a god or titan? Guys, I can't ask you to do this, Piper said. This is too dangerous. You kidding? Gleason belched and showed them his blue carnation smile. Who's ready to beat stuff up? And that's the end of chapter 40. Now, I feel that this is going to get a really, really, you know, fascinating to read because we're going to finally see the trio and Gleason going against Enceladus and if that will send any signal to Gaia about the demigods and how they're going to be able to have a stance against Gaia. Hopefully, they'll be able to beat Enceladus and bring back um, Piper's dad. And we'll also have to see if Piper is going to take that choice of giving her dad the amnesia potion or not because 
she thinks she might think that he's yeah, strong enough to handle all of that he's seen. But we'll just have to see as we continue to read. This has been an amazing chapter, and I thank you all for staying with me and reading throughout this. I apologize if I messed up on some of the pronunciations throughout this episode. I will try my best to improve on them. But other than that, thank you so much for this. If you guys want to support me, my Patreon is located in the description of this podcast. And once again, thank you, and I'll see you next time for the next episode. And stay safe and stay out of boredom.